Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. See, this is Satan's world right now. Overall ruled by God, obviously. But so God in me is greater than the enemy in the world. That's a truth you need to understand. And so we don't have to have any fear. No Christian can ever be possessed by the enemy. We can be oppressed. But no Christian can ever be possessed by Satan. So remember that the power of God is not equal to my power. It's God's power that's going to defeat the enemy. Stuff, stuff, and more stuff. If we're really honest about what we actually need, then nearly all of us have too much of it. All that stuff requires so much attention, maintenance, and devotion. What if it all was cleared out? What would you do with all that energy and time? God can suggest something. Get your feet moving, your mouth talking, your hands comforting, and reach out to people. Share the word and look to meet others' needs. Look beyond your front door and be bold to the work of the Lord that you've always been too busy to do. All of this, everything we own, is just dirt. When people's souls are at stake, why are you holding on to dust? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 31, for our continuing study entitled, How Jesus' Birth Changed Everything. So I'm supposed to be the mouth speaking. I'm supposed to be the hands touching ministering to her to people, and the feet being directed to where I need to go. Right? We all got it? Okay, so we're going to watch Jesus do this. We're going to watch Jesus do this. And so you'll understand, that translates to you in everyday life. That's exactly what it is. So we're going to watch his feet, we're going to watch his mouth, we're going to watch his hands. Right down here in Luke, go down to verse 31. Now here's how it's going to work, and it's going to be exciting as we go through it. When we leave him off, let me give you a little summary of what happens between when he makes that announcement in Nazareth and where we pick up verse 31. Just look at me for a moment. When Jesus made the announcement he was Messiah, the reaction of the people in the synagogue was, yeah, right. We know you. You're Joseph's son. No way. From Nazareth, you're not the Messiah. Jesus already knew that that would be the reaction. See, when you share truth, everybody isn't going to go say, oh yeah, I want to get saved right now. No, they rejected Jesus. And then Jesus made some amazing statements. He says, you know, you're just like the Jews people in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little history. In the Old Testament, God would send prophets to the Jewish people to say, you're not doing right. Here's how you do it. And they always seemed to reject the prophet. They just went on their own way, rebellious. Doesn't remind you of anybody, does it? Because we're the same way. So Jesus says, he gives two illustrations, I don't have time to give them this morning, of two prophets that came to the Jewish nation, they rejected him, both of the prophets. So God sent those two prophets to bless two Gentile women. Now, if you want to make a Jew mad in the old day, you tell them that the Messiah is coming not only for them, but for Gentiles. 
So they took Jesus and they tried to throw him off a cliff. You'll see that in the passage. They're trying to throw him off. And the scripture says that we don't understand. He walks right through the crowd. Now, how did he do that? I have no idea. But he had the spirit of God. He kind of went to here to that. I don't know. But he walked right through the crowd. And the next place we see him, look at verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum. Then he went down, not too far away, maybe half a day's walk. Now, let me ask you a question. How did he get to Capernaum? He did what? What, what did he use to walk? His feet. So why did he go to that town versus another town? Why did he go there? I don't know. I do know why he went. He went because he was led by God. He was led by God. You know, when we started this church, we were led to come to Melbourne. That's why you have a place to sit this morning. Because God was thinking of you 20 years ago. That's right. See, our, our feet are to be led. Yesterday was a miserable day, you know, with rain. And like an idiot, I went shopping to get some stuff. And I'm thinking while I'm out at Sam's, you idiot, soaking wet. Why didn't I wait till another day? Well, I'm in there and I run into two people with blue. And they had a question. So we sat and talked a while. When I walked out of the store, I didn't get nothing. But I knew why I was led there. See, I'm no different than you. God opens doors. He leads us to places. You can be led by God. And that's where the excitement was. As wet as I was, as miserable as I was, I knew why I was there. So Jesus goes there, and what's he do? And it says, on the Sabbath, he began to teach the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. So we see Jesus' feet getting him there. What's the next thing he uses? Tell me. Point to it. Point to it. His mouth. He's speaking. Now, notice he goes to the synagogue again to teach. People are freed by the word of God. By teaching. They hear the truth. And the truth sets people free. If you don't know how to get saved, I already told you once today, I'll tell you again. That will set you free for eternity. Because of the truth sets people free. Now, Jesus' teaching was filled with God's power. It was anointed. And the people knew it was something very different than what they'd been hearing. Many of the Jewish teachers, the rabbis, they would say, well, Rabbi so-and-so says this, and this person says this. Jesus doesn't have to quote anybody. He is the word. So he says, here's the truth. And they went, wow, this is amazing. His teaching was different. Now, what Jesus is going to do, he's anointed to teach, but he teaches the word. I want you to see this verse and explain it to you quickly. This is our goal here because it's the goal of Jesus. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus says this, speaking to religious people. And just look at me and then we'll explain the verse in a moment. Typically in church, we have two camps. We have camps over here that are good in the word. They teach a lot of the word, really good, solid, solid teaching, whatever. And then over here we have people that 
they really understand the, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. The problem is getting them together. Because usually you have people that are really into the Word, and if they come to the passages like Acts 1-8, they kind of just skip over Acts 1-8, they don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit, because that's weird. Then we have these people over here that are into the Spirit all the time, all kinds of good stuff. They understand all that Spirit. You turn to their Bibles, the only Scriptures you find is Acts 1-8, Acts 2-4, because they're always into the things of the Spirit. They know very little of the Word. Notice what Jesus says. Your problem is, number one, you don't know the Scripture. Do you realize how many people today, in churches today, don't know the Scripture? I've told you many times, you go to a church and nobody's carrying a Bible, look for another church. Especially if you get up there and the pastor doesn't have a Bible. Why are you there? He says, you don't know the Scriptures. And then notice what he says. And you don't know the power of God. I was raised to try to understand the balance. When you come, any pastors here, our goal is to teach you the word of God with the power of God. So that when you hear it, right to your heart. Now that's not because I yell or go, power! That's man. I can be very quiet. I can give you the word, and I know it's from God. And it's not about the pastor. It's about the anointing on the pastor. You want a church, and we're all human. So some days, a little better than others. God changed this one the other night. In the middle of the night, I had it already. He changed it. I won't go into all that. He changed it. You have a problem with today's sermon? You take it up with God. <laughs> so what is our goal? Our goal is for you to know the scripture and the power of God without being weird. That's what Jesus was. When he spoke, lives were changed. They went, what was that? I get so much out of Jesus' teaching. That's, that's the goal. Jesus knew the word of God was alive. By knowing and applying the truth of God's word, we're freed from bondages of ignorance, error, Sin and self. Our goal is to get you in the word so that the word gets in you. That's what frees lives. Well, look at verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. And he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now look at me for a moment. This is amazing. This demon says to Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Son of God. And then he says this. By the way, you're anointed. And then he says, have you come to destroy me? He already knew that at end of time, all demons are thrown in the lake of fire. He knows who Jesus is. He knows the ministry of Jesus. And he knows the outcome of demons. And yet the Jewish people don't believe that Jesus is Jesus. But the demons do. That ought to tell us something. You see, we can be blinded to the truth that's right in front of us. Now, as he's doing this, we're introduced, and this is very important for you, we're introduced to why we need the power of God in our life. Why we need to be under his influence. Understand this truth. 
Satan is more powerful than any Christ follower. But Satan is less powerful than God. So if you come up against Satan and his demons, and you want to take him on yourself, good luck. You're done for. Because Satan has more power than any individual. But, as a Christian, if I take him on because God lives in me, then the enemy is defeated. So notice, this verse, it gives us the truth. But speaking to followers of Christ, but you belong to God. You belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over these people. In other words, we already know what the outcome is. The outcome for the second coming is already assured. We're going to be in heaven forever. But we're going to see what God does in his judgment against Satan and demons in the world. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you, and who is that? Who is that? Tell me. That's the, what spirit? Holy Spirit. And where does he live? In you. And when did that happen? At salvation. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, because the spirit who lives you in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Who is the spirit that rules this world? Satan. Satan. See, this is Satan's world right now. Overall ruled by God, obviously. But, so God in me is greater than the enemy in the world. That's a truth you need to understand. And so we don't have to have any fear. No Christian can ever be possessed by the enemy. We can be oppressed. But no Christian can ever be possessed by Satan. So remember that the power of God is not equal to my power. It's God's power that's going to defeat the enemy. Now, look at verse 35. Jesus uses his mouth. Watch it. Be quiet, Jesus says sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all. Came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, Say like what? This never been to a service like this before. What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits, and they like obey and come out? Well, what is the answer to those questions? Why the powerful teaching? And why did demons obey? The answer was the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus. He was filled with the power of God. Are there still demons today? Yes, all over the world. We don't look for them, but they're there. Not long ago, one of our elders, after a service, was confronted with a young man who was demon-possessed. It's much more common overseas, Haiti, lots of places, but it's still here. People got around him, prayed for him, asked for Jesus to free him. He left the church freed of the demon. Now, that doesn't happen every week, but it's real. So you need to understand what's going to happen. Now, when that happened in that service, first of all, the people went, wow, the word of God's alive. And whoa, the demon, you're shut up. The man's freed. Look at verse 37. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Please write this down. One changed life will lead to many changed lives. That's the whole principle. That's why we open our mouth. That's why the power of God. When people come to church and they go like, 
Wow, I can understand the Bible. I can understand that God's for me. He's not against me. I can understand that God's able to meet any of my needs. I can be used by God. Wow, and the word spreads. Why do people go to a new restaurant that opens up? When they go, if the food is really good and the price is fair and the place is clean, guess what? That place is going to be packed all the time. Why? Word spreads. Why do churches do this? Why does this church who started with less than 100 people... Why? Because the power of God is here. People's lives are being changed. It's not about a pastor. It's about God doing his thing in the lives of people. Now, I want you to see in a moment, because sometimes we like, we can't put it into terms. The hands of Jesus touching people, the mouth speaking to people, and the feet going to where they need to go. We do a lot of mission trips here, short-term mission trips, people just like you, all of our campuses. Now, the hands of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus, and the feet of Jesus are not only good in Guatemala or China or Thailand, they're needed in our cities right here. You need to get your feet moving. You need to get your mouth talking. You need to get your hands touching the lives of people. You see, in our world, we've been deceived into thinking amassing stuff brings fulfillment. Exactly the opposite. We need to live more simply and reach out with what we have. Because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that's why Jesus came. Now, after this church service... We know because we've been to Capernaum. We'll go there. He walks right next door to a little home. Look at verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the house or the home of Simon, Peter. And notice, now Simon's mother-in-law, so that means that Peter was married. That's a shock to some of you. And was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. So we're going to talk about mother-in-laws here. This is good. This woman was hurting and had a need. What happened? Well, the book of Matthew says that Jesus touched her. Look at verse 39. So he bent over her. He rebuked the fever. And it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. You see the hands of Jesus' mouth. And the hands of Jesus. Touching. Compassion. Caring power. When Jesus comes, the need is met. Where God guides, he provides. It's not a demon. It's a high fever. Now, of course, we believe in doctors. Luke, who's writing this, you you knew it's Luke, because he says in this verse, high fever. We believe in doctors. God touches in lots of ways. Look at verse 40. Now, when the sun was setting, this is kind of the end of the day, The people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And notice this, laying his hands, not afraid to touch, on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. Here again, they know who he is. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Look at all the hurting people. But it's no different than today. We need to make a difference in the lives of the people that we're around. That's why this is to remind us. 
You're not here just to go through the day. I'm not here just to go through the day to do my deal. I'm here to let God lead my feet to hurting people so I can touch them. I can pray for them. I can speak hope into their life. I can offer them help. I can, there's a lot of different ways that we're going to forget putting more junk under the Christmas tree for you and me. I'm not the Grinch. But guys, we have more stuff than we know what to do with. And we need Jesus touching people's lives. That's what we need. Now, now, look at the next morning. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. So his feet lead him to a daily quiet time with his master, God. I hope your feet, when you get up in the morning, don't lead you to the Wall Street Journal first. I hope your feet lead you to your prayer room, your quiet room, your chair, where you open the Bible and you get online and you have a daily devotion or an in-touch devotion or a David Jeremiah devotion or some kind of a devotion when you're listening from God. And you're going to see why this was important. Well, as Jesus is there... And he's getting direction from his father. Look at the rest of that sentence. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. So look at me. Let me explain to you what happened. Jesus is out praying in a secluded place. Remember the night before he healed everybody, touched everybody. What happens when that happens? The word what? Spreads everywhere. So the next morning, people are already lined up at Peter's mom-in-law's house. They're like crazy. There's no Jesus. So they go to find him, and they find him. And they're saying, please come back to town. Come on, Bob, come on. I got, these people are waiting for you. Now, here's something very strange. Watch what he does in verse 43. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to, of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And watch what happens to his feet. He doesn't go back to Capernaum, but he kept on preaching in different synagogues of Judea. So he leaves people unministered to, hurting people. He moves to the next city and the next city and the next city. Why? The key is in verse 43. I must preach the good news of the kingdom. Look at me and I have one more thing for you to write. The greatest need of man is forgiveness of sin. I can be healed. I've been healed many times. I can be healed all the way up until I die. And then I'm going to die. But if I'm not saved, if my spirit hasn't been changed, I'm going to die and be separated from God forever. So the greatest need is always the good news going to people. We want to touch people. We want to heal people. We want to minister to people. We want to take doctors to people. We want to provide for the poor. We want to do all of those things. Absolutely. But the greatest need is always... That lost people matter to Jesus. That's the key. So I want you to write this last statement. What Jesus discovered was this. Jesus knew his mission. And he knew his purpose. His mission was to go and touch and minister to who God led him to. Do you and I know that mission? God designed you. To be the mouth, the hands, and the feet of Jesus. As we heard in today's teaching, the Holy Spirit can conquer the demons and darkness. 
we might be susceptible to otherwise, because Satan is not more powerful than God. Jesus changed many lives, and so can we through our witness. As Pastor Mark reminded us, Jesus was very clear about his purpose and mission while he was here to preach the good news to the world that desperately needed it and still does. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we will be exhorted to remember who God is through the story of David when he faced the giant Goliath. Pastor Mark will also show us what it was about David that urged him to step forward when nobody else would. In Mark, Jesus will use the illustration of the mountain to give us perspective about our own problems in the context of God's greatness. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.